Hello. Welcome to Postcolonial Space. I'm Masood Raja. And today I briefly want to talk about self-interest, particularly universal self-interest as imagined in neoliberal economics. Now, if you have read your Milton Friedman and others, the way they describe human subjects is as people who are self-maximizers, right? And an impediment to that always is regulation. So the idea in that neoliberal parlance is that if we reduce regulation, which impedes following of self-interest, right? Then everyone will become a self-maximizer and we will have a community or a world self-maximizers, and hence the society and the economy will be uplifted. Now, I had briefly written about it in my book on Talibanization of America. There was a chapter where I addressed this because my, you know, my intervention in a way was that that is the biggest flaw, one of the biggest philosophical flaws in the neoliberal imagination and that is that they assume a universal self-interest. And they think of it in universal terms as if inherently all human beings have similar interests, right? Now, if we go by Marx, right, and try to understand the world from a Marxian perspective, we already know that the world is agonistic, history is agonistic, and it's mostly the history of one class dominating the other. So history is history of class conflict. And if there are two classes, a dominant capitalistic class and a working class, laborers, the proletariat, the cognitariat, then chances are their self-interest, socially constructed self-interest cannot be similar. And we don't even need to go to Marx to really understand it. If you just read Adam Smith's chapter on labor, he clearly distinctly points out the inequalities between a labor and capitalistic conflict. He openly writes there that in case of a conflict between the two, the capitalist has more surplus capital to fall back on, and the labor doesn't. So the fight is unequal. But they are fighting because both the constituencies have different self-interest. The workers' self-interest is to extract more payment for less labor, right? The capitalist self-interest is to extract more labor for less money. So in that sense then, Assuming a universal self-interest, if we do it uncritically, will then default into the self-interest of the dominant group, right? And then if you build an economy on top of that, right, it will normalize the self-interest of those who own the mode of production. So that's why for you, me, and everyone else who does, does public scholarship, those of us who are those of us who are teachers, public intellectuals. It's our job to point out that imagining a universal self-interest 
can only be done if you erase the question of class, right? It can also be explained in culturalist terms, right? Spivak does a great job in Can the Subaltern Speak, where she basically indicts Foucault and Deleuze in their imagining of a human subject, like the Eurocentric human subject that they can assume in their discussion and what she points out there also in pretty Marxist terms is that they can only do that because they don't take into account the global division of labor. That workers everywhere are not the same and most of the labor-intensive jobs have gone to the developing world, right? So there also she brings in Marx even though she starts in cultural terms. So overall I think it is interesting to think of these things and keep in mind that when we take a stance which might seem neutral, assuming that since we are all human beings we all can have one essential self-interest, what we don't realize is that that interest, that self-interest and the way we see it and the, the way we reach out to get it right or fight for it is also dependent upon our class. And we cannot understand this clearly if we don't understand the constitution of a class. How does a class come to be? We are not born like that. Our consciousness, as Marx famously taught us, that is created by the circumstances in which we live. People who share the similar circumstances at work in the material world will tend to see the world in a certain similar way and they are the ones who will constitute a class. So anytime someone talks to you about a universal self-interest, please point out to them the role that class plays in it, the role that ideology plays in it. Because if we work on that, then we can also figure out how is it that some working class people or some workers also support policies that they are not that are not in their own class self-interest and i have a couple of videos on it but it's because they have placed their desire as deleuze would say it at the place of the other where they can be in their potential and not in the lived conditions in which they are so no one is trying to alter their lived conditions they themselves are not they're actually protecting the privilege of the place where they can be right so that's i think it is crucial for us to remember that yeah we can deride class and class struggle but if we literally or metaphorically or philosophically keep the agonistic nature of the world in mind and within that the class structure that exists in any given economy in any given politics then it's easier to challenge any generalizations by any dominant class may they be about self-interest or may they be about how markets work and everything else that's all i hope this was helpful to you thank you so much I hope you're staying safe and taking care of each other. Please continue to do so and I will be back with something else of interest to you. Until then, as always, peace and love.